Hi, it's Kelly Havens. Grab your favorite mug, find a cozy spot to listen, or work quietly with your hands while I take you on a journey into the rolling hills of Ohio, our old home, and my world of homemaking, homesteading, and daily life with James and Thad. Through stories, dreams, and the Bible, let's seek the Good Shepherd together. I hope you'll find comfort in my companionship as I have found in yours. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save than thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Good morning. It is a very frosty early February morning over here. I won't tell you just how early it is, <laughs> but I'm sure it wouldn't surprise you. I've already been out in the crunchy cold snow in Levi's work boots because I don't have any yet, but Sometimes I like going out in my slippers and feeling the little balls of snow form on my wool socks and getting a little bit cold that way, but <laughs> I'm learning to be more practical <laughs> with the help of Marmy. <laughs> um, so there, there is a lot to talk about today. I am being broken and stretched in ways I don't think that you all have seen since I've been on Instagram. And I think that that's a big reason for my silence. It's not that I don't have things to share. It's that what I'm, what I have to share is so personal and so far reaching. Not that I wanna hide it, but that I wanna do it justice and that I really wanna follow his timing. So we've seen that a little bit with um, shifting more to the big projects. Um, I know many of you downloaded the story and were really touched by it. I'm I'm just so glad. I'm so glad that I was able to give you something a little bit more full that's not just a little Instagram caption. I think that God is, um, is really, really working hard to challenge me and I know many of us to press into unknowns. You know, especially with the way the world is now, we kind of, um, we yield to the structure that's there, you know, with social media or with anything, you know, with even our friendships, we see people when there's an event, (laughs) you know, um, if you, if you don't homeschool your kids, you, they learn what they're just the curriculum, you know, and I think I have a hunch that um, his spirit in a lot of ways is just trying to really take the reins and carry us into unknowns and um, it's been kind of a it's been a hard spot but I think that comes out of a prayer for more freedom and for more joy so it's really really good and um, what I'm gonna be sharing today is all about light, warmth, 
mist <laughs> because light is very bright and it can be very misty. You can't see it's so bright. Um, and the connection between God's presence and light. And um, the biggest thing that we're going to be talking about is his promise, his promises that are unique for each of us, but then the promises of him that are the same for all of us, his presence, which is promised to all of us who trust in him. So bear with me. It's been a while. I feel rusty and um, it's very hard for me to do something imperfectly, but I need to. I need to do this. I need to share with you all what God has been doing. Um, and I just, I really pray right now, Lord, that this would be an encouragement to many who are really being tested by you and need to see your hand in it and know it's you that's doing all of that. So God, I ask your blessing on what I share today. Well, we have about six inches of snow right now and it is just beautiful. Um, Ohio is really, really um, unpredictable. You think of it as a very snowy, true to the season state, but the, not the one, not last winter, but there were two winters before. It was such a disappointment. Um, so this has been a just wonderful. And James, any chance he can, he wants to have all his wool gear on, and he goes and he gets lost, and it's so bright. He disappears. You know, he's like a little, like, he gets eclipsed. He gets kind of caught in the sunlight, and he's just this dancing figure in the sunlight. And um, we were walking to the car after church yesterday, and he looked at me, and he said, Mommy, it's too bright. <laughs> and it's like, I can't help you, buddy. <laughs> you can close your eyes. <laughs> And uh, that, you know, that is really how I felt lately with what God has done. It's felt like it's just too bright. And you guys know my mind. You know that I think big and I strive big. And I tend to kind of wrap a concept around everything. You know, I've got this concept for why we are restoring this beautiful old house and what that means to me and how that shapes me. Um, all the lessons in that, you know, learning to be, um, learning to live with things that are unfinished and, you know, listening to an old structure and figuring out its character and kind of collaborating with that and how that's like us working with God and you know God and his ancient character and there's there's so much there's so much meaning there anyway something I can kind of wrap my head around you know um and uh with Instagram you know I've always had some kind of sense of what what I'm doing I'm storytelling you know I'm capturing the beauty and the delight and the simplicity in homemaking and motherhood there's always been some kind of grip well now I feel as if I am being completely shattered. My mind is being shattered from all understanding of what is going on in my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, for a while, I felt like I was just in a pickle. 
Like I'm just, I'm in a pickle and it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And I think actually it's the opposite. I think actually it's that there's a higher order. It makes much more sense than anything that I thought was making sense before. And what I need to do is actually just hide in the light and let it just eclipse me and my own ideas and just be in it. So I've been thinking a lot about um, what it is like to not understand anymore, but just completely be in how this happens when God's purpose and God's plan starts to really take effect in your life. Not yours anymore. It becomes really blinding and really misty and we, we struggle and we stagger a little bit, but that's how it should be. Um, so Marmy and I kind of, we have some inside jokes. One of them is about sunbeams, um, especially this time of year when it's, you know, there's just not a lot of sunlight and I'm inside quite a bit um, because of that he doesn't do well in the cold you know how little boys when they fall and they get snow caked all over their cheeks and it quickly turns into just those really cold like dry red spots on their face and they just don't like it so we're inside a lot and then the sun goes down early and you know me in the summer i am out with my basket picking flowers and collecting sticks and leaves all day <laughs> and I pack picnics and <laughs> we pack cheese and apples and we get lost and we're timeless and I think of wonderful things out there and God helps me through things out there so I don't have that right now so it has been um, very difficult but there's this time about 9 30 when the sun there's a shaft of sun that comes through that old window by the stairs and it goes pierced down and it kind of catches on the edge of the newel post and then floods around the newel post but if I stand in that shaft there's this warmth and this peace that just floods um and I realized so you know Marmy she made the comment you know I'm like a cat I like to find the sunbeam and go in the sunbeam and I thought, I thought that was me too, you know, it sounded kind of like me. And then I realized, no, I'm actually not that way. And I think that that's what God is doing. And I think he's probably doing this for a lot of us. I think, you know, if you were to picture a really beautiful drawing room and like an, a mansion or something, and you've got like all these antique pieces of furniture and like these old paintings hanging from the picture rail and a fireplace and picture that the wind the curtains are open because I'd always have the curtains open for sure and I wouldn't have any lights on if it was daylight now picture the sun creating a beam and it casts all across the oriental floor or oriental rug maybe across the wood floor to the door I'm not going to go sit in the sunbeam that's not my nature what I'm going to do is sit in my chair and I'm going to study the sunbeam <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to look at it and I'm going to watch it because I like to see I'm a vision person. I wanna, I wanna observe. I mean, I wanna, I wanna do things, but I'm, I'm fascinated by light, and I don't, I don't want to get lost in it. I don't want it to take me over, cause that's, that's scary. That's, you know, that's overwhelming. 
um, but I want to observe it. But I think that, that but for God to really use me in the way he made me to be used, I've got to do that. I've got to go straight in the sunbeam and let go. And um, so that's where I am. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more soon. But I hope that you can relate a little bit to that hesitation to go into the light. And he is the light. And his word is the light. Um, and his plan, the, his plan that he has literally put at your feet because he's the he's the author of our lives I know many of you are writers um or creative and we have so much creative energy in us and we think that we're doing this we're we are working on our projects you know like I've got I've got a friend who has started an amazing little local business um where she puts together these like local gift boxes that take um little handmade goods from all these shops from their local shops and packages them up and sends them out um and i know lots of people who have really special projects like that that god's laid on their heart and the the challenge in that is to to just be like this you know i'm not carrying this i'm doing this and it's massive and it's big and it's beautiful and it's his plan but I'm not, I'm not carrying it. I'm hiding in his sunbeam and he's doing it. You know, it's, I'm just basically, I'm just here with my, with my arms open and he's filling my arm, he's filling my hands with this to do. So she's doing her thing. And I feel like God has a thing for me. And what he's doing is he's breaking me down, but he's not breaking me down with darkness. You know, you think of when people go through really, really hard times it's like they're being torn apart by darkness, by dark things, you know, by broken relationships or illness, um, any number of things, maybe guilt from their past. That's just not what's happening right now in my life. And it's so startling. It's I'm actually being broken down by light and by love. Um, light, when light breaks down, it heals and it restores when darkness breaks down it destroys so I think we need to look for that sunbeam and let it break us down and heal us so um there's this quote that I love in this book I just finished and I would highly recommend it I'm sure you all know Frances Havergale she wrote take my life and let it be um the hymn well she wrote this book called kept for the master's use and it goes through your whole everything. Like if you view the soul as a kingdom, which is um, what Charlotte Mason kind of saw, you know, man's soul as a territory. I mean, a human being is incredibly complex. All these different aspects that we as Christians need to yield every single bit, every faculty we have to our king because he is our king. You know, we are not our own once we're his. And so the breakdown is amazing. There's a chapter on giving your hands to Jesus, giving your feet to Jesus. Literally, your feet are his feet. You know, you're his messenger on foot going where he needs you to go. Giving your voice to Jesus. How your voice is given to you to serve others, to serve him through serving others, through song, through testimony, stories. It's just amazing to think about how much we actually have to yield um, to God. So then she talks about giving your love to
to him and him alone. Um, and then she flips it around and talks about his love to us, giving her, um, him giving his love to us. And this quote just struck me so deep. His love for thee, not a passive, possible love, but outflowing, yes, outpouring of the real, glowing, personal love of his mighty and tender heart. Love not as an attribute, a quality, a latent force, but an acting, moving, reaching, touching, grasping power. Love, not a cold, beautiful, far-off star, like something you study, but a sunshine that comes and enfolds us, making us warm and glad and strong and bright and fruitful. So that is how God wants us or wants us to know him as a warm and folding sunbeam. So what's happened for me is I have this new relationship with Marmee that's kind of like a, she's like a mother and a friend and a sister, but um, more like a Jonathan, um, just very knit together, just very in sync, and it's expressing to me God's love in a way that is truly setting me free. And it's a similar thing with my time out where she lives um, on their land because it's it's just so majestic. It's, I can't even describe it. The long, long driveway and the, um, the ancient sycamore trees with their limbs just splaying out into the open air with nothing between the ground and the sky except for the branches. The little cardinals fluttering around the trees the winding path through the woods and the little stream running down through the moss and the rocks. It's all so bright. And what it's doing is it's like opening these craters in my heart and these ideas and these feelings that God and these lessons that God has been teaching me all along that he intends to be used for books and literature and, um, you know, an authorship and probably film, it's starting to flow and move. And part of me wants to run because it's so bright. And that's, so that's the, that's the, the root of this podcast today. Sorry, it took me 16 minutes to get there. <laughs> it's hard. This is deep stuff. But you know what? This, this is incredibly biblical. This is what happened to these promise characters, as I'm going to call them. And so we can, I, I fully believe that there's nothing we experience in our lives that we can't find an example for in scripture. And that's why he gave us his word. You know, it's not ideas. It's not doctrine. It's stories and it's people. It's people that we're going to meet someday because if we're in him, we have eternal life, which means we are going to live forever after we die. It's, you know, it's just a fact. It's a beautiful, marvelous fact. So Jacob, Joseph, Abraham, David, Mary, 
let's learn from them and be excited about their story because there's going to be overlap between bits of our stories and their stories and we're going to get to know them a little bit before we meet them. <laughs> so I'm I'm reading the Bible very, very differently these days um, because of the way my faith is being stretched. And I'm starting to really see the, the bigness of what God is after in all of our lives. His intentions are so much more vast than we realize. And his purposes for us are so much richer. And that's that's what I have really been, been seeing and dazzled by. Um, the, just the past two months because it's very unusual. Well, if, if, you know, if we were to all pray more earnestly, I think things like this would happen more often. Um, you would suddenly meet someone who changes something forever, or you are suddenly given, um, an inheritance that you desperately need to do something for God, or, you know, your heart is suddenly broken and and opened up so that you can produce or write or share the thing he needs you to share. It's, it's a matter of, of getting willing, very, very, very willing. And that's what Marmy had done for 20 years, been very, very willing and sensing that there was something that she was being fitted for and waiting there and being there in that spot. And that's kind of what I've been doing with Instagram. And I think you all know that, that it felt like I was being prepared for something. And right now, I'm like, I'm, I'm barely seeing the outline of it. Um, but that's, so that's where these promise characters are. And that's where I am at the start. They're like at the base of a mountain, you know. They're like at that, that little marker. You know, it says like, 15 miles to the, you know, to the waterfall. <laughs> That's where I feel like I'm at this, like, little wooden stake, and there's, like, a, you know, you got 1,360 miles <laughs> before you get to this peak. And then you're going to look back, and it's going to make sense. <laughs> but I'm, I'm here, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going. I'm marching. I'm putting on my boots. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to kind of walk us through a little bit of these promise characters and, um, how God protects them when they get their promise and what they do with their promises. Cause they're, they're all very, very staggering. So, um, Jacob, when he, um, he leaves his homeland and God promises that he will bring him back and multiply um, his offspring there, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So then he has to leave. He has no knowledge of when he'll come back, but God promises that he will be with him until it's fulfilled. So then there's Joseph. Joseph receives two dreams, and he's promised that his family will bow down to him. He's 17. He's just pasturing his family's flock um, with his brothers, and he has a dream. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. How scary and tempting it would have been to be very critical of his own mind about it and question 
whether such a dream was from God. But he had a responsibility to know his own heart and to trust his love for God, that he wouldn't invent something like that. Sometimes we think we're scheming and dreaming of a promise, but really it's God's plan and will for us that he is revealing to us, and we need to take it seriously. It's not something we could have dared to think of or imagine for ourselves. We have to be willing to accept any dream or vision that God gives us, even if we do not have the power to interpret it. We don't know, but I bet you Joseph did not know what that dream meant of those shocks of wheat bowing down. But he had to trust that it was his maker that put that there. I've been having some similar visions and you just have to trust. So Abraham was the same way. When he was 75, God gave him um, a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your reward will be great. O Lord, Abram said, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Even though he was in his old age and had no children, he was told by God that God would give all the land as far as he could see to his descendants to him, and he would be exceedingly fruitful, and kings should come from him. It was an extremely bright, almost blinding vision. But staggering as it was, Abraham accepted it. He knew God's voice. And it says he believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness, or God counted that to him as righteousness. Then it was 25 years until the beginning of the blessing started to come into view with the birth of Isaac. And then when he was told by God to sacrifice Isaac, he had to hold on to that vision, even though everything going on was completely contradictory to God's promise many years back. So I'm going to pause a little bit here. This was a little bit of what was happening on Wednesday because I've been going out to the hills to Marmy's place and stay the night one night a week. And um, I'm really starting to tap into these channels and this purpose that God has for me. I was working on this podcast and doing a lot of writing. Um, I'm working on a devotional for you all. And um, I was on a run way out on this back dirt road and my ideas were just flowing and I had this plan I was going to go back and get a hot shower come out from the snow go into mommy's house cozy up with her with some tea sorry I got cut off there a little bit um cozy up with some tea and I was just going to share all that he was putting on my heart and then I got a text and Levi and the boys were very, very sick suddenly and needed me to rush back. And I had only really just started to get going. And it felt like the biggest contradiction. You know, like I've been given these th- these things to do this week. I had waited all week to, to get back out to the hills and to really be faithful to God with that and to see 
um, him start weaving things together. And it didn't make any sense. God, why are you calling me right back into town, right back into all of this very, very hard day-to-day work when I know you're calling me to be faithful with these creative writing projects? And it was one of those moments where I just had to completely surrender that he was doing something way bigger than I could see, and that it all would tie together. And sure enough, it's been a couple days now. That was that was Wednesday, so it's Monday now. Yesterday, an entire outline for an allegory came out, and I've never I've never written a whole book, um, but now I've got the beginning of an allegory, much like C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy except this one would be more of like a um like a medieval setting kind of like little white horse you know um ancient village uh more more woods than another terrestrial planet <laughs> but um so it, it's it's amazing and it was be- it was because I was flown back down into the trenches as I call it just holding my boys and cleaning up after them um, when they were very sick and it so at the time it didn't it didn't make any sense at all and um, but now I'm seeing what he was doing and so that that happens over and over again with these promises that God gives you have to hold to it even when the circumstance right in front of you seems to completely contradict it so David is another one. He is promised in his boyhood that he would be king. Samuel said to Jesse, are your sons here? And Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So there's no knowledge in David's mind of how he's going to get there, how he's going to be king. All David can do is go on, keep protecting his father's sheep from the bears and the lions, because that's the exact thing God has called him to do, much like it's the exact thing that God has called me into motherhood even though I feel he's preparing me for a greater work. Um, His finite mind would never have conceived of just, you know, being this shepherd, that being the means by which he would enter into Saul's palace. Because you remember that is how he entered that whole world, was by being brought into that battle with the Philistines in killing Goliath, and that's how he was discovered. So the unfolding of God's promise, that belongs to God. You know, we take his promise and then we hide in his sunbeam and the unfolding belongs to God. And so then the other character is Mary. Mary is promised that she will receive the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god so god's purpose is holy 
Um, we need to revere what he has shown us of what will come to be as holy. But the thing that amazed me most with Mary and kind of what got me thinking about light and brightness and how what I feel right now is such an intense brightness is this phrase, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So there's a moment when God, when he speaks that promise to your heart, that purpose, whatever it is for you, and it can, I mean, I, I trust the Holy Spirit will, um, will speak through me into your heart specifically. As men, I know many of us have a sense. There's something, there's something we got to do, you know? There's something really special that God has made us for that's way bigger than ourselves, way bigger than even our families or our gen- generations. Um, we have a role to play in his story. And I think that when you get to the point where he shows you that, that's when he's going to overshadow you and just completely sweep you up and cover you because it's too much for you. So he's going to overshadow you and protect you and you get to hide there. So I want to kind of talk about um, the experience of overshadowing. Um, The word for overshadow is... um, it's a Greek word, episkiazo, and it means to envelope in a haze of brilliancy or to throw a shadow upon, to envelope in a shadow or to overshadow. It's kind of cast on, almost like a spell. Um, the bright light that's on you is not God himself, but his shadow. So our shadows are dark. You know, like if you're on the sidewalk at noon, you're going to cast a dark shadow. Or if you think of Peter Pan when he's in Wendy's room because he's standing there and he's blocking the light behind, it casts a shadow. So it's, that's normally how we think of a shadow. But God is light. So his shadow can't be darkness. His shadow is brightness. So hiding in his shadow is not hiding in a dark spot, but it's like dwelling in a very, very safe, very, very bright mist. Kind of like it's a mist because it's so bright you can't see the terrain around you, but you feel its warmth and you feel its safety. And it's very uncomfortable at first. (laughs) Um, it's, It's crazy how his goodness and his love can feel very, very dazzling, I think, for a lot of us, because we're used to struggle. We're used to feeling unsafe. So when you feel, um, when you're in his word and when you're in the dead center of his purpose, it, that, that sense of intense safety can feel a little bit um, unnerving at first. But that's exactly where he wants us. He wants us blind and trusting and safe. And that's when he can start to fulfill that purpose. Um, So I think it's amazing how with each of these promise characters, there's a staggering promise, like I went through with each of them, but then immediately following the promise, there's his presence. So Mary is overshadowed, the episciazo, by the Most High. God's spirit rushes upon David and never leaves him. Um, God tells Jacob, I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised to you. 
And when Joseph is taken down into the pit, and when he works as a slave and in prison, it says over and over again in that story, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph. I kept seeing that, and it it was amazing how consistent that was. And then when God makes his covenant with Abram at the time, the first thing he says is, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. There's a shield, like a shield of light that's going to be around Abraham as he fulfills the promise. So we see that God never gives us a promise without his presence, which is really like a sunbeam. So promises and his presence go hand in hand. God's shadowing is not a dark enveloping, but like a shimmering, dazzling brightness. We are to hide in the brightness of who he is as he works out his promise in our lives. Um, It's the Greek word, episkiazo, that um, describes that power. Research that word. It's just um, such an interesting word. Um, So it's used, let's see if I can get to my notes here. It's used again um, when um, there is the transfiguration of Jesus when he is up on the mountain. Um, let me see if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it. Okay. Sorry about that. I've got so many notes. Um, so it's, it's used again when Jesus is up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. It says he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And because of the bright shadow of God, the disciples fell on their faces, and they were terrified. They were terrified of the purpose. They were terrified at seeing who God, who Jesus was, this man Jesus. Um, God is saying, This is my beloved Son, Um, So then Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. So it's almost like there's this brilliant shadow um, that comes right at a time when God is saying something that is very, very powerful, um, very beautiful, very just staggering, (laughs) astounding, hard to understand. Um, And it's his way of saying it's safe, you know, it's a a shadow, it's a very, very safe, bright, warm shadow that stays with you, because his disciples saw this, so then they carried that in their hearts. For the rest of his ministry, they carried this vision, and it uses the word vision in their hearts, and they, 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 they fed on that, they leaned on that, they knew, because of that moment, they knew that, that, that Jesus was God's son, his beloved son, and that he would ultimately suffer at the hands of men and die and rise again. Um, so there's just these moments where, like with Mary, God sends this bright shadow, and you have to trust it. Um, I remember having kind of this feeling there was one day I lived in the oldest dorm um, at Kenyon where I went to college. And I remember I was still studying philosophy, but I had started to make my own course of philosophy, um, Christian philosophy. I had Chesterton 
and C.S. Lewis. And then I had, I had my Bible. Um, I had the stack of journals and books by Philander Chase, who was the Bishop of Ohio back in the 1800s, who established Kenyon, really, really loved the Lord, um, and founded it as a seminary. And I remember reading Psalm 91 that day and going through all of these different books and just studying God's character and his story and yearning to know, yearning to, to study my maker and not the world anymore. I was so tired of studying culture and the world and wanted to study theology. But I could sense, I could sense that there was a reason why my mind was being brought down into these dark, hard places in this secular academic um, college, college classes. But um, I remember having the sense in my room that I really was being kind of overshadowed. Like he had this very, very, very bright, vivid future planned for me. At the time, I didn't have any friends. No husband, no church even. Was not in the countryside. Was not with any family. All I had were books in this beautiful old Gothic dorm. But I was completely alone. But I remember feeling that sense of brilliant overshadowing. Um, and I felt like in that moment I needed to do something. I needed to express in some way um, this feeling I had of this safe shadow. So I remember getting my camera and my tripod, um, and I went down the three flights in the narrow, um, narrow steep stairs of this old dorm down into the basement. And I remember getting on the floor, and there were these low spotlights down there. And because um, they had these little booth type tables and I remember getting on the floor near one of the spotlights and spreading out my arms like the wingspan of a bird and I took a self-portrait and the stack of books was beside me on the tables um, on one of the tables and the caption for the photo was he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge So what I was doing in that moment was I was leaving the darkness of doubt and my own frail understanding far beyond me. Like I described, if you picture that old drawing room in a castle, I was leaving the chair, I was getting out of the shadows, and I was going straight into that sunbeam. That sense, that strong sense of God is doing something, he's doing something, and just getting lost in it, getting eclipsed in that sense of he's doing something, and accepting with all of my heart the brilliant, bright, purpose-filled future of a family, a homestead, an authorship, and the full, healthy life that I never had. I was leaving my own dark shadow and entering the brightness of God's shadow. I made the Lord my dwelling place, I literally entered a realm of intense, blazing light. There was no darkness in that moment, a brilliant, blinding shadow that came by faith. And then, because of that moment of faith, I started making many, many other small leaps of faith that really, really started to kick God's purpose into action. Met Levi soon after. Okay, I'm going to pause it there because 
The next section of the podcast is um, a whole nother world. It's what to do once you're in this bright mist of a vivid purpose and brilliant future that you're finally adjusting to and accepting um, after having kind of wrestled with it and been willing to go in that warm sunbeam and wait and see how it plays out and um, press on in faith. There are so many things that you do in the meantime um, just for your heart, you know, <laughs> just to um, to learn how to wait and yet thrive in the waiting because his marvelous plan especially if it's going to affect many and we know it will um you know it says except a grain of wheat going to the ground it cannot bear much fruit so this sacrifice that you are making of accepting god's his purpose and his plan in your life his staggering plan is going to affect so many. That means he's setting up the stage in ways we just cannot see. So I'm going to be talking about what to do in the meantime with your mind and your heart. And we're still going to keep looking at those um, those central promise characters and what they did um, as they waited for God's promises to be fulfilled. And um, that just ended up being quite a bit a whole topic of its own. So I'm splitting it here and I will come back and finish that up soon. I wanted to just leave you with one more tiny bit of encouragement from Streams in the Desert that um, should really leave us feeling strengthened and inspired. Faith can fell forests. Even if the tribes had realized what treasures lay above them, they would hardly have dared to suppose it possible to rid the hills of their dense forest growth. But as God indicated their task, he reminded them that they had power enough. The visions of things that seem impossible are presented to us, like these forest-covered steeps, not to mock us, but to incite us to spiritual exploits, which would be impossible unless God had stored within us the great strength of his own indwelling. Isn't that beautiful? So perhaps when he gives us a vision of something massive he wants us to do that we feel outfitted for, like we've been prepared for for a long time, based on the people in our lives, the things we've gone through, the darkness that we've passed through safely by his hand, the story we have to share with the world, Perhaps we feel so weak in that spot because he wants to show us and prove us in this period of waiting and him fleshing out how we're going to go about fulfilling our purpose. Um, That our strength is in his own indwelling. It's his plan and his purpose, a part of his story. And we get to take a back seat and be weak in his arms and watch him part the waters. The first step is just putting your feet in. You know, like Joshua just put his feet in the Jordan, said okay, and then we're just going to get weak for a bit in his warm shadow, and and then he's going to start moving, just like he really started moving in my life back then, 
when I said, okay, I'm done with, with philosophy and the confusion of man's ideas about the world, and I'm just going to go back to the Bible because I know it's absolute eternal fact, and God is the lover of my heart. And then that is when I found the country church and my husband and um, established the roots, or God established roots for me in Ohio, um, a home that I had never had and that has led to this ministry and it's going to lead to so much more it all just starts with stepping faithfully into that Jordan because that's where the sunbeam is so I'm just going to pray that you all will see his sunbeam in your life and you will just step into it and let it completely eclipse you and then watch and see what he does okay I love you all and I cannot wait to share the next bit. Bye.